0: Hello, this is Hilary Robertson. Welcome to the latest episode of Harmonious World. For this episode, I am joined by drummer and composer Ulysses Owens Jr. And his big band debut, Soul Conversations, is out now on Outside In Music. Ulysses pages Jews dues playing alongside people such as Christian McBride, Wynton Marsalis and Kurt Elling. Soul Conversations was recorded at Dizzy's Club at Jazz at the Lincoln Centre in early December 2019. And this band is described as balancing excitement with subtlety and polish with unbridled innovation. You've definitely heard Ulysses and his drumming before because he was on the highly popular Nat King Cole and Me by Gregory Porter. One of the things I'll definitely be talking to Ulysses about is Don't Miss a Beat, Inc., which is a non-profit organization to empower young people to dream big and give back to their communities through a blend of musical, artistic, academic and civic engagement programming. And he creates programs for more than 500 children every year. I hope you enjoy listening to our conversation.
1: Hey, how are you?
0: I'm good, thank you. How oh, are you? Oh,
1: there you are. Good to see you.
0: Yeah. Well, this is a great album. I'm really, really loving this.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you.
0: Yeah, Soul Conversations. It's um it's it feels like it's a labor of love for you.
1: Yeah, very much so. Because it, it was uh really not something I thought about doing uh, up till a few years ago, and then once we played together as the big band. It just started to expand and it, it as you said it was something i fell in love with and so then it was let me sort of give to the world this this thing that i'm receiving with and creating with these amazing musicians
0: it's absolutely stunning it's it's Thank uh,
1: you.
0: it feels like a big ba- um i tell you um was it christian mcbride who had a big band album out a couple of years ago
1: yeah i, I was actually part of his first album uh so he he did the first one I was part of, uh, which is called The Good Feeling. And uh, and then he's had two since then.
0: Yeah. And it feels very. It's not the same, but it feels right. like it's out of the same stable, if you like.
1: Yeah. I mean, well, you know, he you know, part of uh, why I started the big band has a lot to do with Christian. I mean, I, I've been playing big band for many years, but. Michael Dees, who's my associate producer, he and I both were in Christian McBride's Big Band together. And he was really the person that came to me and said, hey, Ulysses, I think you have a specific skill for for playing Big Band. And uh, I think you shine. And because he had been able to see me with Christian. And so, yeah, when I started thinking about the album and what I wanted to release to the people, I definitely studied McBride's projects, having been part of them, one. But two, I I felt like his Big Band was, was one or is one that can relate to people.
0: Exactly, And I like
1: that. And that and that is what we built at Dizzy's because this band, you know, playing at Dizzy's. But that is the one piece I definitely borrowed from McBride was I wanted a big I wanted to kind of update the big band um, and make it younger and give it fresher faces and 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 different, you know, various varying genders and different orientations in the band. But then beyond that, I wanted it to be accessible to people.
0: Right. And it is. I think it's it does all of those things. I think it's very um, you know, you've got all, you know, men, women, black, white, yeah. everybody. Yeah. Which yeah. Which is
1: great. Yeah. Now- which I, yeah. It's really important to me to do that because I mean, that first of all, I don't see color. You know, I, even though I show up in the world as an African-American man, when I'm creating, I don't see color. I see spirit. Right. And so I felt that the big band era in particular did not do that. I felt like it's time for us to kind of get rid of the color lines, the gender lines. And let's find really, really great collaborators and create something that is really indicative of of the world because the world is everything. So let's let's show that more in our collaborations.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because obviously I'm a lot older than you, and I used <laughs> to play I used to play barry sax in oh, nice. big bands, and I would never be if so. I would often be the only girl, mm-hmm. and if there were two of us. The, the men at some point would make some joke about us taking over because there were two of us out of 18. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, yeah. it's crazy.
1: Yeah. And it's funny because we're getting, we actually just talked to my manager uh, yesterday. We're getting ready to do a big run at Jazz Lincoln Center at the end of the year. So I'm booking the band again. And it's funny because now it went from, you know, a band that had maybe about three to four women. To now, like, my front line is getting ready to almost be all women because one of my tenor saxophonists, Daniel Dickinson, can't make the run. So I just hired Nicole Glover, who's an incredible uh, tenor saxophonist and reed player. She's, I, I think she's the newest member of the group Artemis, uh, the Blue Note group. And so now I'm looking like you, know, my, my lead alto and second alto are women. And then now I got Nicole on uh, second album tenor. So, yeah, we, we, we're we all about the ladies in our band.
0: <laughs> <laughs> great stuff. Right. So um, talk to me a little bit about your background, because you've sure. obviously, I mean, recently you've played with some, you've played on some great albums and, you know, you you were on the Nat King Cole, Gregory Porter yeah. album, weren't you? That's a yeah. lovely album.
1: Which we did in London. Which, did you know that?
0: Did you do it at Abbey Road?
1: We did it at Air, Air Studios. Oh, Air.
0: Oh. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's so that incredible. that was... Yeah, that was that was probably one of the most um, special moments of my life because I feel like I already love London and it's one of my favorite places to be in the world. And to get to spend a week there and then record at these incredible studios and with all you know, incredibly uh, talented European and British um, string you know orchestra, uh, it was it was it was brilliant. So yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, we've got a we've got a special place for Gregory Porter here. I think he's oh, I think he's actually more popular in the UK than he is. In he the is,
1: US. he's huge there. He's huge, yeah. and um, and I don't know if you know, which is ironic. You and I were were interviewing today because I I need to return a call, uh, to Guy Barker. Who, oh, Guy is another very very different. He and I have been literally spending two years trying to figure out how are we going to work together. So, yeah, I love him deeply.
0: Well, you'll have to say to him that, that you've we've just done this because I will. I used to play in the National Youth Jazz Orchestra with wow. Guy.
1: wow.
0: And then we he played trumpet for a pop group called the Style Council, which was Paul Weller's band in the 1980s. And wow. when when Guy left, I joined with another trumpeter. So we go back a long way
1: wow that's crazy yeah i just i just sent him a message yeah um but he's been a huge supporter but anyway i sell that to say um to your question about my background yeah. yeah i mean i i grew up you know in the church uh playing music kind of coming to it from that vantage point then i uh got into jazz in high school and kind of understood by the age of 16 like, this is what I want to do, you know, and then moved to New York, got into Juilliard. And that was when kind of things really started to, to formulate for me. Um, I, my first goals were very much, I just wanted to be a really good jazz drummer. I wanted to play with as many people as possible. Uh, one of my sort of North stars, which I'm actually interviewing him tomorrow as part of my new YouTube series is Lewis Nash. Um, and he was really the, the, the reason that I moved to New York City. Um, and, and just wanting to, to make similar moves that he made musically. So I would say that the first you know, 10, 15 years of my career is just that. And then things started shifting where I really wanted to have more of a career as a leader. I felt like I, after playing with all these great musicians, I kind of started to have my own thoughts about how I wanted to show up in the world. And I, I have to be honest that I felt being a drummer was not as supportive as a leader you know, there were people that were calling me like at a certain point in my career and they would be like, oh, we got this new singer, this new pianist or this new trumpeter. We want you to anchor the band. And then, but when I wanted to come up with my own band, it was like, no, like you're a drummer, like drummers don't sell tickets, drummers don't sell records. So I felt like that was when I started sitting down and saying, no, like I've, you know, Art Blakey, Buddy Rich, you know, Max Roach. I mean, these are, you know, even Ed Shaughnessy on the Tonight Show, I mean, there's all these great drummers that led bands and that everybody credits. Now, I mean, you if you talk about big band with now, most people over the age of 45 or 50 spent some moment with Buddy Rich. They either were cursed out by him or played, you know, you know, and then you've got the Count Basie Orchestra with Papa Joe Jones, Sonny Payne, Harold, uh, uh, Harold Jones and all these other great drummers. So everybody always credits working with drummers. But they never want to give us the same platform So the people. So I was like, you know what? I, I'm I'm not feeling that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna shift, come from the background. Actually, by the at, at the advice of Winter Marcellus, he said to me, Ulysses, come out of the background. It's time for you to come into the foreground and really push for whatever your agendas are artistically. And so that's what I've been doing or seeking to do.
0: Yeah. Well, well, that's that's brilliant. Um, I noticed you're wearing a Don't Miss a Beat t-shirt.
1: Yeah, so you know about that?
0: I do a little <laughs> bit. So I want you to tell me a little bit more about it because it sounds like a really inspiring you know, piece of work. So tell me how it, how it works. How did it start?
1: Man, so Don't Miss a Beat actually started when I, I was at Juilliard. Uh, I went to San Jose, Costa Rica, and we played at a cultural center. And I remember that feeling of playing there and just the spirit behind what it was, and, and I kind of locked it in the back of my mind. I was like, man, that was really cool to make music for a community. And, and it was great. So anyway, I, I graduated and, and uh, moved back to Jacksonville. And my family, everybody, like, they're educators, they're in corporate America, uh, you know, have varying careers. And we sort of said, hey, we need to come together and form a business, because we had formed a lot of different ministries via um, uh, churches. And so we were like, let's form something on our own. But we also wanted to form something for youth because at that time, and it's even going on now, uh, the crime rate in Jacksonville, Florida was very much predicated upon youth and them not having a lot of proper outlets. And I felt that you really only had sports outlets for youth, but you didn't really have art, artistic outlets. And on top of that, high-end artistic outlets. So that was the first thing. We were like, we want to form a business where we utilize the art. But within the art, we give mentorship, we give, civ- you know, allow for civic engagement and all that. So that started, um, and I would say in 2008, we began with our first summer camp. And the goal of the summer camp was to finish the year and kids to uh, get a chance to perform a musical. That was in 2008. Now here we are 13 years later. We now have two community art centers. We have, we're in the middle, which is why I have this shirt on, we're in the middle of our summer camp which uh, is a a Broadway summer camp. So at the end of the summer, our kids are gonna perform In the Heights, the musical. And then we actually are just launching a jazz festival this year. So this year we'll have In the Heights and then we'll have a jazz festival for the community free in the city of Jacksonville. So it has become this incredible work that uh, I'm artistic director for. And I always tell people it's my passion project. I mean, I love helping kids. I love talking and helping the community and particularly uh, the the community of color, uh, Black and Hispanic or Latinx, we suffer uh, economically um, because there's such a gap. And I find that what's going to help narrow that gap is education, access to really great resources, and really helping people to advance um, and have exposure to great talent that can help you be the first that can you know be a college graduate in your family. So it's a family work. And uh, yeah, we've been at it for 13 years. So yeah, I, when I leave you, I'm going to go back to summer camp to see my kids so yeah.
0: Wow. And and it's it's hundreds of kids every year that you're reaching, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, so the summer camp uh, this year is a little smaller because since COVID, we 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 typically were we, we our summer camps were 80 to 100 kids and then our our um after school program 80 to 100 kids and then we have partnerships with other local agencies where we're reaching 2 to 300 kids. After COVID, we had to kind of narrow it down a little bit. Just from a safety protocol. So this summer, we have about 60 kids. Um, but then back, you know, when it comes back to the fall, we'll go back to in person programming for after school. And then I have a position at several schools as well, where uh, I'm at the middle school of the arts and the high school of the arts. And that's where between those two schools, I think we're reaching about 2,000 kids. So yeah, it's, but don't miss a beat the community program, we actively work with about 200, 250 kids a year. So.
0: And that's amazing, isn't it? Because of those 250 kids, if you, if you take one yeah. and, and stop that one child
1: yeah. from committing
0: yeah. crime, then you don't need to do any more.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I'll give you one example. Just this week or just last week, like our kids are in summer camp now. And so our kids are ages five. We have three categories, five to seven, eight to 11, and then 12 to 16. Just last week there was a kid murdered, a 16-year-old kid murdered by a 15-year-old kid. <laughs> right? So oh. you've got the 16-year-old kid who's no longer here. And then you've got the 15-year-old kid who's now gonna probably get life in prison. Right. Whereas in, I could tell you what my 15, 16-year-old kids are doing. They're learning lines They're in the heights right now. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So 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 that is why so pa- I'm passionate about it because you know, everybody wants to talk about crime, they even want to talk about racism. If you really want to you know narrow the wealth gap you need to give people who were dealt a different hand access and that's what don't miss a beat is all about is access and we have great partnerships that allow for our kids to be able to have every every advantage to to fight the disadvantages that they were born with
0: that's fantastic and you're obviously a really good spokesman for that i try i am that
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's what, you know everybody says, they're like, oh, why are well, you so passionate? Well, I am that. I mean, I, I grew up, I had learning disability. Uh, my parents were not wealthy. My dad is a working class guy from, you know, if not for the military, I don't know what he would have become. My mother uh, went to college, didn't finish, but worked her way up through the ranks of corporate America. And, and they helped instill in my sister and I to, to be better. And my sister and I are the first college graduates in our family. And look at what we've done. We've now created businesses. I've been all over the world. So just in our own family, me and my sister are the first so right. I'm, I'm passionate because just from me and my sister, we have started a business that has changed the the, the, the city and therefore other people so to your point I'm I am don't miss Mississippi I am those kids so when I look at them I see uh, me because if nobody had not taught me what I could do with drumsticks, I don't know where I would be today
0: you know right. And it's important that somebody like you talks to somebody like me, you know, okay. you're a young black man and I'm an old white woman. you know But, <laughs> you know, but it's yes. all about having conversations Absolutely. across those divides that kind of go, well, what is actually dividing us? There's not that much that's actually right. divided in in the real terms, and you know that's what we should be talking about together.
1: Yeah. And, and and honestly, Hillary, that has been my my feet or, or I should say my focus. You know, now that Don't Miss a Beat is, is off the ground, we have great programming and we're, we're operating and people are knowing who we are. We now secondarily are this like we are a place where we have an incredible large amount of white supporters, uh, Asian supporters, you know, supporters from the Middle East. I mean, we, we have people from across the color lines and many times they say, like, when you come to a Don't Miss a Beat event, you see a like like a juxtaposition of lives that you wouldn't see anywhere else in the city. You'll see, you know, because we're we're I don't we, we're not in the hood, but we're definitely in a part of the city that's not affluent. But you'll see Range Rovers and fancy cars from all my, my you know my great donors, but then you see my working class families. Then you see you know homeless people who we feed them every day and they love us. They're coming. So you get to see this blend of people and as a result of it, it's a beautiful family event and everybody's in the same place. And to your point, that's, what's going to make the world smaller and more together is us really being able to have those healthy dialogues and, and exchanges with each other.
0: Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. So you. lockdown, March, 2020, how yes. did that, how did that impact on you? So were you, you know, touring, were, you know, how did it hit you?
1: Man, it hit me in multiple ways. Um, I, I tell people the pandemic has been the biggest blessing of my life. Um, and and it also impacted me in some some negative ways, but ways that I'm overcoming. And obviously for every music, musician economically. Um, I mean, I, I, I can't even tell you what what I lost economically, but I'm also thankful because had I not sat still for a year and a half, I don't think I would be able to have the focus and, and the bandwidth and to be able to run with the clarity that I have now. So yeah, March 20th, I, I, I was uh, ending spring or starting my last week of spring break from Juilliard. And I was coming to Florida to just hang with my family. And then I was going to start my book tour for my brush book. And all of that got canceled. And I always tell people, I mean, I can laugh about it now, but literally Hillary within 72 hours, a year and a half of work, a year and a half's worth of work got canceled in literally 72 hours. Um, and that that was crazy because I've always been a hard worker and I've always been the guy that's like I'm like I try to be three to four steps ahead and I always like I'm like oh well that happened well I've got this next week but to literally go from I've got things I knew I was going to do in a year to I had nothing that was a, that was a depressing moment because I'm just like one I've got to stay alive and make sure I'm healthy then like what the hell am I going to do and I you know and I tell audiences now like when I'm back playing gigs. I didn't know if I was going to see my audiences again. I literally had those moments where I was like, "Am I going to like? Will I ever be on stage again? Like, will I? Like, I know I'll play, but will it be like this Zoom thing?" So, so yeah, March twentieth was hard. Um, and but then I pivoted. I sort of got out of the, the the muck of depression, and I was like, "All right, dude, what are you going to do? You got when you when life gives you gives you lemons, what is the lemonade you're going to make?" And as a result of it, I finished up my book that I was writing, the Musician's Career Guide, and I actually added. Uh, A COVID sort of pandemic piece to the book, Uh, my nonprofit, because of who we are and who we serve, we needed to be in action. So we actually started uh, about May, you know, giving food to our families because a lot of them were out of work. Um, Then we planned an outdoor uh, finale for summer camp because we were the only ones to operate our summer camp last summer because I was like our kids needed us. They had been home for three months. So we did that. And then as a result of doing the the finale outside, that's what birthed the idea for the Jazz Festival. Um, And then I I built a studio here because I needed to do all this recording and interviews and all that. So I built a studio and I've been saying I was gonna do that for 10 years. So it started as this kind of grim moment and it turned into me having the time to do all the things that I'd ever wanted to do. So now that I'm kicking back into gear and releasing the album and going back to work, I'm now bringing back with me, don't miss a beat, you know, at a, at a higher level. I now have a studio. I now know how to record. I have a, you know, I can also produce video and I have like online lesson series. So I, so it opened up the opportunity for me to do all these other things that I've been saying I wanted to do, but, but definitely I lost, a, I lost a lot of money,
0: <laughs> but
1: I survived.
0: I survived.
1: Yeah. Well, Thank God.
0: So Soul Conversations is now out. This is a great album, and you you're talking about doing some doing a, a season at the Jazz at the Lincoln Center.
1: Yeah, December second through the fifth. For any of those uh, wonderful UK folks that are going to be in New York City, um, if whenever you guys are able to like move about, um, we are going to be at Jazz at Lincoln Center, Dizzy's Club Coca Cola, and we will be playing for four nights with my big band. I'm really excited about
0: this. That's going to be amazing. So yeah, yeah, and then then all you need to do is just bring that to the to the UK.
1: So guy, so yes, guy and I are working on that. We actually, it's funny, we were working on it before the album came out. He heard the album like when I first mixed it, um, but we're working on something now because he and I are like, yo, we got to figure it out. So you send him a message and say, guy, I interviewed Ulysses. When are we bringing this big band over? Absolutely,
0: <laughs> I will <laughs> definitely.
1: <yeah. laughs>
0: Yes. fantastic that is brilliant well thank you so much for joining me i really appreciate
1: it i appreciate you hillary and let's stay in touch
0: thanks for joining me once more on harmonious world that was a great opportunity to talk to ulysses at the start of the podcast i played an extract from the ulysses owens big band version of giant steps because i love everything that john coltrane ever wrote so why not And I'm going to finish now with Soul Conversations because that's a bit more soul and a bit more jazz. And I think it sums up the album. But please do take a listen. All of the links are in the show notes. Please do rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks for joining me on Harmonious World. Thanks also to Joe English for composing and performing this new theme tune. So wherever you get your podcast, you can leave a review. You can share this with your friends and family, either as a link or on social media and that sort of thing. I'd be really grateful for that. Don't forget that you can subscribe now. There's a link wherever you get your podcasts. So have a great week and please remember why I started this, which is just to try and make the world a little more harmonious. Thanks for listening to Harmonious World.